Welcome to Breakpoint Life with Pastor Bart. I'm really excited to start this new endeavor to hopefully strengthen those of you who are believers and answer some questions for those of you who are still investigating your faith. What do followers of Christ really believe? That's a good question to study in depth, no matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. In today's culture, truth is constantly changing. So today we are going to address what believers really believe about truth. Understanding truth can help you in a variety of ways. First of all, it can give you great confidence to live in a chaotic world when you know what your truth is. And second, it can help you to build a solid foundation to build your life upon. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You know, in these times of a pandemic, we've seen a lot of people's houses fall. We've seen the suicide rate go up. We've seen uh, depression increase. We've seen people lose their job uh, and fall into financial despair. We've seen people lose their faith because they say, well, if there was a God, this wouldn't happen. And I think for each one of us, we have to look at really what our foundation is. Is it on absolute truth? Is it on a truth that is blowing us around every day? Do we wake up with a new truth? You know, these are questions that we have to ask ourselves. And as believers, we really have to ask ourselves because everyone is trying to interpret the Bible and everyone is trying to make the Bible say what they want it to say. Every day I wake up and I read that somebody else has an agenda and has used scripture to verify that agenda. And so today, how do we navigate through the mess and the changing truth of this culture? You know, I think it's Satan's job to pull us in and to keep us from being strong and having a strong foundation. And I think he wants to make us to where we don't think straight. And he wants us to get our eyes off of God and onto other things that don't really matter. And so this verse says that we have to look at our foundation and we have to look at our house. And when the, these hard times come, and when these difficult situations arise, is our house going to stand? And I love this. And this is not me saying it. It's God saying it here. But it says you're wise when you start to look at your foundation. No matter if you're a believer or a non-believer, you know, it's time for us to look at that foundation. What is making us strong? Will our house survive the the storm. And then the other side of this, he says, you are foolish 
if you build it upon a weak foundation. So many of us have built our lives on a weak foundation that today we believe this, tomorrow we believe this, uh, next week something sounds good. And so we decide, you know what, I'm going to build my foundation on that. But what happens is that when hard times come, you're at a loss because there's nothing really there to stand on. So the first thing I want you to see today is that as believers, we believe in absolute truth. First Timothy 3.15 says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. You know, as I read this verse, I can't help but think the bad press that the church has gotten. But I want to tell you this, that the church is God's institution. It was ordained by him. And if you look at the church through history as a whole, yeah, you can come up with some bad things, but there's one thing that has stayed constant, and that's the gospel. And so, you know, as we look at the gospel and we look at the important doctrine and what truth really is, I think it's important to look at the Apostles' Creed. You know, the Apostles' Creed in its oldest form uh, goes back to at least 140 A.D. And I know that the Apostles didn't write it, but many early church leaders summed up their beliefs as they had opportunity to stand for their faith. And these statements developed into a more standard form to express one's confession of faith at the time of baptism. Now, this isn't scripture, but it is a simple list of the great doctrines of faith. And as I read this, when we get to the word Catholic, I want you to understand that Catholic means relating to the church universal. And was the word used in the original version of the creed. It does not mean the Roman Catholic Church, but the church, the body of Christ as a universal church fellowship. And I'm going to read from the traditional version, which reads, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he came, shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So if you want to know what absolute truths are for believers, I think that you can go to this Apostle Creed, that has been tested throughout time, that the church has always stood on these principles. The second thing I want you to see today is that Jesus is absolute truth. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As culture changes truth, I can wake up every day and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And I also know that as we look at this verse, it says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, the world is trying to define this as exclusive. And I guess that it is exclusive when you look at it and you read it. But most religions are exclusive. If you ask uh, a Muslim about their religion, well, they have certain things that make it exclusive. So today I want to say that Christianity, to believe in Jesus, to believe in the gospel, is the most inclusive, exclusive religion. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus died for all. He died for everyone. And he says that if you believe, you believe in his death, you believe in his burial, you believe in his resurrection, you believe that he ascended, you believe the Apostles' Creed, then you know what? You're in. You don't have to do anything else. It is a free gift. And so as I look at this, you know, the world tells us that, oh, you don't want to be a Christian or you can't follow Jesus because he is exclusive. No, he is inclusive. He died for all. The third thing I want you to see today is the Bible is our source of absolute truth. In John 8, 31 and 32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I love this verse. It's been one of my favorites for for a long time, because I truly believe that once you navigate God's word, and I know there's a lot of difficult things in God's word, and There are even things in God's word that I don't like, but I now go to God's word thinking not how can I change it or how can I make it uh, something that I can understand or reconcile to my life. I now look at it and as I read even the difficult things, I look at it and I pray, God, reveal to me why this is truth. I don't understand it. I don't really like it, but God, you are God. You are all-knowing, and so God, I pray that you would reveal to me your truth the way you see it so that I can be set free. You know, when we try to change God's word, we're living in bondage because, again, we're trying to shake that foundation, and we're trying to change that foundation, and so for us as believers, we need to look at the Bible as God's source of absolute truth. There's really no other way for us to look at it. And I know that that can be difficult, especially when we get to difficult passages. But for today, I pray that you would just say, God, reveal to me your truth. You know, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, he gives an example of a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And he says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said 
would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can't shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And so as we look at this verse, this reading, we really have to come to terms. Do we believe that God is a liar? Do we believe that he is a lunatic? Or do we believe that he is Lord? And if he is Lord, then he has to become absolute truth. Well, every week I'm going to have a chance to answer some of your questions. And the question I'm going to answer this week is, one that I think is very important. And it says, you mentioned that all religions aren't the same. Can you explain? And I think that you have to go into a lot of detail here to really explain the answer to this question. And so I'm going to read to you from Vodi Balkum's book, The Ever-Loving Truth. And it's found on page 35. And it says, the philosophy that governs present-day America culture is founded upon at least three basic ideas, religious relativism, tolerance, and philosophical pluralism. These ideas are so widely accepted as true that they are rarely challenged. Any attempt to address our culture must analyze and respond to these three ideas. And the first one he mentions is myth one, all religions are the same. And he says, according to the myth of religious relativism, we all worship the same God. We just refer to him or her by different titles. Religious relativism is willing to overlook even the most glaring contradictions between religions in an effort to preserve unity and peace. For instance, following this thought process would lead one to proclaim that Judaism and Satanism are not mutually exclusive, but are, in fact, both expressions of worships to the same deity. A classic illustration used to argue this point is that of an elephant and the blind men. Four blind men come upon the elephant. The first man touches the elephant's tail and exclaims, It is long, thin, and sturdy. It must be a rope. The second man touches the elephant's trunk and declares, It is a long, thick, and warm. It must be a snake. The third man examines the elephant's leg. Then he surmises, It is thick, sturdy, long, and appears to be planted in the ground. It is obviously a tree. The fourth man reaches up and explores the elephant's vast body. After feeling around on one side, he proclaims, You are all wrong. It is extremely large, sturdy, and firmly in place. This is obviously some sort of building or shelter. This illustration makes what religious relativists consider a crucial point. Everyone has a limited perspective, and none of us has all of the answers. 
While this point is valid, it does not require a leap in logic that many professors employ in order to argue that this illustrates the fact that none of us can know the truth. Besides the fact that the blind men are wrong does not negate the fact that there is an elephant there. In the same way, the fact that many people are wrong about God does not negate his existence. Unfortunately, this conclusion is often lost on those to whom this lie is fed. He goes on to say the root of this myth can be traced to a philosophy called naturalism. Naturalism is the belief that nature, the material and the laws that govern its existence, is all there is. There is no force beyond nature, no supernatural or metaphysical reality beyond us. Thus, God is merely a figment of our imagination. Philip Johnson offers this definition. According to naturalism, what is ultimately real is nature which consists of the fundamental particles that make up what we call matter and energy together with the natural laws that govern how those particles behave. Unfortunately, naturalism's presuppositions dominate the thinking of our day. Johnson calls scientific naturalism and its related liberal rationalism the established religious philosophy of the late 20th century America. But what does naturalism have to do with religious relativism? It's quite simple. If there is no supernatural world and thus no God, and if all the religions of the world actually find the source in their minds of men, then they are all equally useless. Hence, it makes no difference which religion one chooses. They are all, in the words of Governor Jesse Ventura, crutches created by weak-minded people who need help coping with the cruel world. In this kind of philosophical environment, religious relativism makes complete sense. If there is no supernatural realm, no God, then anyone who believes in such a being is merely constructing his or, home, his or her own reality. Ultimately, then the religious belief is no more than self-delusion. Therefore, one's person's self-delusion about the existence of a supernatural being is no different from anyone else's. It's all a force. What you have to see is that the world isn't trying to say it's all the same. They're trying to say that there is no God. No one in any religion believes that they are all the same. Everyone has their own views. They have their own God or gods, they have their own afterlife. And so one path does not lead to the same place. People are trying to water down God and his power. And so when you say, oh, just pick a path, whatever path you believe in is okay, you're really watering down the power of God and what we talked about earlier, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life.